2: You're listening to The Uncontested, an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob.
1: Oh, you haters, come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really
2: wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast.
3: What's up everybody? Thanks for joining us today. You can find the uncontested podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, so make sure you go hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five star rating. You can also follow us on Twitter at the uncontested. Sorry, the underscore uncontested. Don't forget that underscore. I don't know if you'd be following somebody else if you didn't put the underscore, but uh, just be safe.
2: Yeah, the guy that wouldn't give us the at's a dick. Uh,
3: that is true.
2: Stern um, but said, fair. And The he, uncontested, the podcast that won't be bested, and he hasn't had any podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he gets hit by a bus. like
1: 300 followers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: so we have the whole team minus Nicholas here today. Uh, I don't know what Nicholas is doing, but I'm going to call him Nicholas because he's not here.
1: <laughs>
3: We're going to jump into our season review podcast. Uh, we have a whole summer, a long summer of content to fill about the thunder on this podcast. But we figured today uh, it's been about 5 days now since the thunder season has officially ended. So we thought we would jump in and and kind of do a season review podcast, look back at regular season, playoffs, um and and just kind of give our thoughts on on how we thought the season went, some of our our favorite things, least favorite things, etc. uh because We have all of May, all of June, all of July, all of August, all of September to talk (laughs) about trades and draft picks and Billy Donovan and this and that and should the Thunder blow it up. And that's just a whole lot of stuff that we don't want to get into today. We figured today would just be a good day to to look back at, at what the season was. So with that being said... Guys, let's just uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, Justin, you want to take us off?
4: Let's start on a positive no. note. I think taking a look back at the season, there was a lot of interesting moments, a lot of cool moments. But I want to know what was your guys' favorite moment of the Thunder season?
3: Oh, there's a lot of them. Taylor, you want to go first?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not all at once. Yeah. Um. Oh, man. I think mine's going to be kind of vague and generic. Um, I'll go a little more specific, but I think just the whole MVPG campaign, that stretch where he was just absolutely on fire and looked like one arguably the best player in the league, which uh, is really exciting and something, honestly, as good as PG is, um, and why I did expect him to be a little better this season compared to last and be more comfortable, et cetera, et cetera, I was not expecting him to just go on a tear like he did. Um, and that was really exciting and also something to be optimistic about because, honestly, it was kind of that injury, I think, that really derailed him. Um, and, and we'll jump into that here in a little while, I know. But probably my favorite out of all those moments, though, would I'm going to give the nod to the Utah game, which was maybe a little more recent, so maybe it's recency bias, but that that Utah game winner that he hit, that floater the over there was incredible in double yep. OT. And then uh, with the Philly game winner, that Sunday, Sunday afternoon game, uh, it was a close second for me.
3: Very good. Um, I think mine, I'll go a very specific moment, was very late in the season, the The Paul George corner three to beat the Houston Rockets.
1: That was uh, awesome. Too. J-
3: just the, the vibe of the arena, um, the the play itself with, was it Harden that missed the free throw?
1: Yeah, it was Harden. That hard led the that, led that, led that, that was, yep. possession. And That's then the, so the give
3: and go between Russ and Adams. And then... Russ, we all thought Russ was going to pull that shot up, and it was going to be awful. and he, he finds Paul in the corner instead. and I think that's probably my, my favorite singular like can, can wrap it all up in 30 seconds moment? I think
4: the context of that game too, was huge of they had to beat Houston. they kind of capped or they had won their fourth straight game with that win. They needed some other pieces to fall their way, and it was just really setting up for the matchup that the Thunder thought they wanted with the Blazers.
3: Yep. Yep. That was a fun moment. Tell me,
2: what was yours? Next question. <laughs>
3: God.
4: <laughs> um, well, I'll go with mine. Uh, Mine was probably the 202020 game from Russ. I think that... Shout-out you know, Nipsey Hustle. Shout-out Nipsey. It, it was just... I mean, the man literally just kind of willed that into existence. And when you think about that, it's it's absurd. We always kind of like jokingly hypothesized, like maybe Russell go have a twenty 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 triple double one day. But it's one of those things you never think will actually happen. And he just went out and did it, and did it on purpose for Nipsey Hussle, which is just wild to think about. And I think the emotion, same kind of thing you said, Jacob, like the vibe in the arena that night, as well as you know what was happening on the floor it was kind of crazy and then two i thought that the reaction that he got from other players around the league was super cool yeah just kind of the outpouring he posted a lot of stuff on his instagram stories saw a lot of stuff on twitter i think the respect that russ has around the league was cool to see because a lot of times we don't we don't see that we just see colin coward spouting off on whatever network he's on now
3: and then Russ, immediately after that game on national television, shouts out a Crip set. So uh, I don't rolling know 60s that. Or the set. I can't remember the last time I saw somebody shout out a Crip set on uh, on national television. But uh,
4: you had it, old old white women in Oklahoma googling rolling Sixties <laughs> everywhere. It's <laughs> the greatest thing to think about.
3: Oh, uh, that's good.
4: Uh, okay. On the flip side. What was your least favorite? Let's start with Kamiar on this one.
2: <laughs> I would say next question, but I can answer this one honestly. <laughs> the entire season after the All-Star break was miserable. So that I would say that was my least favorite part of the season, which would be immediately after the All-Star break when they just apparently fell apart. If you looked at Dennis Schroeder, if you watched it, listened to it, read it, Dennis Schroeder said, really, the second half of the season and during the playoffs, they didn't play together. And it was kind of miserable for them. Uh, He didn't say that, but, I mean, if you're not playing together, it seems like it sucks. So, And it was a crappy product to watch. So my least favorite part of the season? Watching the second half of the season. (laughs) I
3: think my my least favorite part of the season was, um, again, I, I... think I want to encapsulate mine into a, uh, a specific moment was Alex Abrinas and, and that issue, uh, the the culmination of that getting the, the Shams Charnia tweet that said he basically got cut no longer with the team. I uh, so don't know what's up with that. Uh, I, from what Alex has said now that the season's over, maybe we'll hear something, but uh, I I've always been a fan of Alex Abrinus. And so that that was probably the 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 lowest point for me.
1: What about you, Taylor? Uh, post all-star break was a really good answer. And I was before calm here, answered that. I was going to joke and ask if I could, um, <laughs> but uh, obviously recency bias again would probably say that Dame shot was absolutely miserable, but I'm still not sure that was the lowest point for me just because it was to the point of the series where I just like, you, know, you had zero confidence, right? Yeah. You Wait, know, not even numb as much as I just had zero confidence that like I fully predicted them to win that game and then go back to OKC and losing game six because yeah. that was the epitome of this team the whole season. Um, so I think that five-game losing stretch that we finished uh, or not finished the season on, but, or not not well, what five-game winning streak we went on at the end, was it a five-game losing stretch before that, or am I making that up? It, I know there was a miserable stretch. Was straight, it, but was it was rough, something bad. Yeah. Where we where uh, we got absolutely blown out by Golden State, and then Russ gets suspended for Miami, and then they lost to Dallas. <laughs> like it was just some miserable, miserable games during that time, and um, I think that was kind of the the Valley. Yeah. I, I think for me, uh, during post all-star break was, was that stretch before the five game win streak to finish out the season.
4: What was tough about that? I mean, both you and Kami are kind of hit on it, but was watching the thunders play off just evaporate. They had a pretty firm yeah. grasp on the three seed and it felt like, okay, if they can play decent, they'll have home court advantage. And then it was like, well, if they can play decent, they'll, uh, you know, lock up at least the fifth seed and then it just kept falling and it was like, well, they might get the eighth seed. And then they, they obviously <laughs> yeah. went on a little run to salvage it a little bit at the end, but just kind of a free fall there.
3: Well going and into I, the all star break, they were exactly they were closer to the yep. to the one seed than they were to the four. Yeah. yeah. That's what it was so you know, disappointing the, for they me. Were the, the 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 math, they were closer to getting the first seed. And so that that makes that drop like even worse, you know?
4: It's tough. My just least moment. favorite moment was uh, was getting the Robertson setback news.
3: I think just which time?
4: First time. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I would say the the first time, just because I felt after the the first setback news, um, I think I think we we were all kind of in agreement pretty early on. It was like I don't think he plays again this season, even before they officially came out the second time. But it was. Um, I just feel it's kind of same same to you and Abrinas, Jacob. I just feel bad for the guy. Like as a human being, and you know, playing a game that you love for a living to have something like that happen sucks. Uh, but also from from a basketball fan standpoint, you know, thinking about what this team could have looked like if Robertson had been healthy, if he'd been able to come back on a, a realistic timetable, um, maybe not to start the season, but by you know December or something like that yeah Uh, thinking about what this team could have been like and then now thinking about like you know he may never be the same he probably won't ever be the same and we'll never kind of know what this team would have looked like with a healthy Robertson.
3: yeah i think the second setback was i would assume for him probably the worst one because he was around christmas time he was almost ready to go i mean we were getting those videos of him like running and dunking and shooting and then just to say like he came down from a dunk and and heard a uh, like a Crack or a pop, and now he's got a, a fracture in his knee, you know. Like he was that time, like he was there, like right there, yep. and and it just falls through. So, yep, rough for Dre, man. Sucks. It's
4: tough. Um, what about biggest surprise? What was the thing that happened this season that you weren't expecting the most, Jacob?
3: Um, I'm gonna go with my my surprise is gonna be well. I think we're going to go to to disappointment so never mind. I was going to say my surprise is going to be a bad <laughs> surprise. Um but but since we have disappointment coming up, I'll say my biggest surprise was how well Jeremy Grant played. You know, yep. his his previous season in Oklahoma City, he did not shoot the ball well. He primarily played backup center uh behind Stephen Adams because Carmelo Anthony was starting. Um We saw some glimpses in that Utah series where we thought that that Jeremy Grant could be really good as a starting four. Season comes around the beginning of the year. He doesn't even get the starting job. They start Patrick Patterson instead because he was the better shooter. And then now at the end of the season, looking back, Jeremy Grant shoots the highest percentage of his career, the highest percentage from three on the team um, on four attempts a game, 39%, like well above league average and and so I would I would say Jeremy Grant's continued improvement and his consistency. Like, you kind of knew what you were getting from Grant night in and night out. So that's probably my biggest surprise.
4: What about you, Kamayar?
2: I would say my biggest surprise was the amount of wing depth that OKC started the season with and then the amount of wing depth that they ended the season with as far as Everybody was surprised and happy that OKC actually compiled a bunch of possible NBA wings that could start, that could play any given night. And at the end of the season, you had like Nader, and that was it, after PG. So that was pretty surprising. Taylor? I was, I
1: was gonna, oh, that was one of mine, for sure, Was what Kamara just said. I think that was uh, very well said. But I think another one for me uh, is also kind of negative. And that was Russell Westbrook's inconsistency, particularly shooting. Um, obviously, he didn't shoot from the free throw line very well last season either. But the free throw, his free throw shooting is just so strange to me. His mid range shot, he's never been an incredible mid range shooter. I, I, we always kind of had this idea that the cotton shot was this super high efficient, great shot that he had, and never was that. Uh, but the fact that he was shot so poorly from the field this season was really strange to me um however he did still end up with another triple double which i think could be a positive surprise Uh, i don't think i was really expecting that either so i'd probably go ahead go ahead and say russell westbrook's shooting was another one of mine outside the wing death i think that's a good one Um, mine mine
4: was uh terrence ferguson i think especially just following you know the roller coaster that we went on to start the season with ferguson where Everyone was ready to to oust him from Oklahoma City with uh, pitchforks and torches, and you know it was kind of the well-publicized conversation where he had a sit-down with Russell Westbrook. They met at the practice facility, and Russ kind of talked him up, talked to him about what it's like to be a defender in the NBA, what it's like to be a player in the NBA, and kind of went through that. And then all of a sudden, it was like a a, a switch flipped and. I mean, I, I didn't think I did not expect him to play as well as he did this season. And knowing how we know the Robertson thing played out, I think that was massive because I can't imagine what this team would have looked like without Robertson if Ferguson didn't take the leap that he took. That's an incredibly scary thought that I had not thought of. That's a really good point, yeah. Justin. <laughs> totally um, with you. So we, I think we've all uh, touched on this a little bit. What was your
1: biggest disappointment of this season? Let's start with you, Taylor. Biggest disappointment for me was probably the inconsistency. That was something getting rid of mellow. Um, and this, I'm, it's going to make me sound like a casual thunder fan. You know, the, the whole mellow was a scapegoat last season. We've talked about that on, on this podcast, but, I think for me, I just kind of felt that getting rid of that, adding the players that we did. We talked a little bit about wing depth a little bit ago. I thought like the combination of all that was going to make us a much more consistent team. And therefore, like we talked about before, you know, heading into All-Star break, it seemed like we had finally found consistency and found our identity as a team. Um, and unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So that was the biggest disappointment for me was that we still just could not stick to that identity of play that we've talked so much
2: about on this podcast.
1: What about you, Kamir?
2: I would say um, I, I can't attribute it to one person. It's several factors. I would say that Stephen Adams and his development was really disappointing to me. Um, his his lack of involvement, uh, not really necessarily dis- uh, not necessarily development. And part of that is on not really on him, part of that's just on the team and what they're yep. doing. Part of that's on Russ, part of that's on Billy. Um it's there's a lot of people involved. And, um, you know, Steven's a talented center, but, and he earns like 24 million, but you're not seeing any of that money get to put to good use. And that's why people are like, well, you might, you know, trade him because, uh, he's, uh, not fit for the modern NBA. Well, he kind of is, he's just not given, been being given a chance. And plus, I mean, you just play a team that exposed, you know, his weaknesses as far as yeah. handling Damian, Damian Lillard, which not many people in the NBA can anyways, but, um, they i mean he was just he was just better off the court because they weren't doing anything to make him effective. And that was in the playoff series anyways. So my biggest disappointment is his lack of involvement on the offensive end really because the defensive end he's really the anchor that makes a lot of stuff go. He's really good at deflecting balls, he's really good at directing traffic. Um but yeah, I would I would go with that. Jacob. That's another good one.
3: I think my biggest disappointment I'm going go, I'm going to go with a player here and say Patrick Patterson. Um yep. I I had really high hopes for him coming into the season. Uh I think before the season started, uh we were all kind of in agreement that Patterson would be the starting power forward. We saw that the first four games uh didn't work out. They benched him. They still gave him a lot of minutes and the the season at the beginning of the season, we thought he was going to be a starting four in the league, and at the end of the season, um, he's not even getting playing time.
2: And, and that doesn't mean he shouldn't have been getting playing time, though. Yeah, that's fair. Like that, totally fair.
3: Yeah, it's just his his overall inconsistency, his overall like lack of of shooting, um, the the fact that he he was supposed to be kind of an integral part of this team. That whenever they signed him a couple of years ago, uh, it was seen as like a, a really good move and a really good pickup, and just you know to I don't you know I don't think you can say it's it's his fault or Billy's fault or the team's fault to this you know I, I think there's so much gray area there, but just the fact that we didn't get the Patrick Patterson that kind of we we hoped to get um, is probably the biggest disappointment to me. but i think we got another really we got the
2: patrick patterson that everybody else said we would get right yeah the super super inconsistent one because when we asked toronto fans what was up why didn't he start if they liked him so much they're like oh he's gonna drive you crazy because he's so inconsistent uh but what's not inconsistent about him is how hot his fiance or girlfriend is so (laughs) that's that's fair
1: she is uh she's pretty attractive He's got a really nice house too, so yeah. you know. I mean, he's got his French bull, his
2: French bulldog's cute too. So. Yeah, and I think that's
1: he true.
3: just started watching a couple of TV series. Got a lot of going yeah.
1: I, yeah, I saw that. He, he posted on a
2: lot a lot Instagram that he was baseball. about to start,
0: he's
3: start Attack on Titan. I think. Yeah. Cool. So you guys ever um, watched Attack on Titan? Attack on Titan is really good. I
1: haven't, but um, I I yeah, I, was, cause I remember you talking about it a while back, and that's like, I need I need to get into it for sure. I've been doing my Avengers recap because Summer and I are going to see uh, the newest everybody Avengers tomorrow. Everybody dies. <laughs> everybody. Spoiler alert! Everybody dies. I, uh, I, I watched I
3: Ant Man last night for the first time, and then tonight, as soon as we're done podcasting, I'm watching Ant Man and the Wasp. I'm gonna uh, do that too. Which is yep. on which is on Netflix. It's free, so I'm gonna take yep. advantage while I can.
2: I'm not a big fan of superhero movies, but I do like Paul Rudd, so I liked Ant Man. I, I
3: dude, Paul say, Rudd. Yeah. Something's up with that dude. You notice he does not age? He does not age. He yeah. ages.
2: Look at his wrinkles and under his eyes from like, oh, oh, what's that movie? Clueless to now. Like he ages. He just, I don't know. Not very much. The that's does. all I have when I age. I'll be there. Lock, it's like crack.
3: Paul Rudd and Pharrell. Those dudes just yeah. don't age.
2: Oh, Pharrell doesn't age, but that's for lack. Don't yeah. Crack. Yeah. Dude, and like, Paul you know, Rudd Gabby, and Ant-Man. You know Gabby, Gabrielle Union is like almost 40.
3: Yeah, she's really hot. Yep. Jimmy Butler thinks so too. You remember He's that?
2: Shitty, yeah.
3: Um, uh,
1: hello, bro. Good.
3: But but yeah, Paul Rudd is like freaking in buff the window. in Ant Man too. <laughs> good dude. You guys ever seen role models with Paul Rudd?
4: That's pretty good. That's That's a a good, good one. One. It's a good movie. I feel like you and Kamiar are as high school teachers yeah. can relate to that one.
3: Oh yeah,
1: <laughs>
4: that is totally
1: Jacob and Kamiar.
4: What about the most encouraging <laughs> aspect? heading into next season. What do you see from this team that has you optimistic about next season? Jacob?
3: Um, I'm going to steal your answer for biggest surprise, Justin. The most encouraging thing for me is Terrence Ferguson. Um, the jump that he made from year one to year two, um, I, I don't have the stats in front of me. I can't remember what he shot year one from three. I want to say it was 33% on like less than two attempts per game. This year he shot nearly 37. At- on four attempts per game. Um, obviously, he was up and down a bit. In that hot stretch, he was shooting like 40-something percent for like two months. Um, it's insane. But I thought his defense all season long was was really good. Uh, his his shooting went up. There were times throughout the season where I thought he showed a lot of promise putting the ball on the floor. Obviously, that kind of went away in the playoffs. But, but just his progression how how much of a jump he made from year 1 to year 2 and then now going in year 2 to year 3 if he can make another similar jump i think that he could be a really really important and integral part of this team and i think it's really important to remember that terrence ferguson can't even get into a bar right now like he is not yet 21 years old
4: that is wild like i mean I terrence when time. when
3: i was Probably 20 like <laughs> you know I I just, For him to be 20 years old is just really impressive to me um, to to already make that kind of jump. Jacob's
4: very impressed by 20-year-olds in general.
3: Yeah, I mean, pretty interesting people, 20-year-olds. But (laughs) Terrence Ferguson, I mean, if he can have another productive summer and come back even better again, I think the thing he needs to focus on offensively the most this summer is is ball handling, putting the ball on the floor, attacking closeouts, and running a pick-and-roll and um, and having at least some resemblance of an idea of what he wants to do. Right. Honestly, Whenever he would
4: dribble drive, it was just chaos.
3: Yeah, but honestly, that reminds me of Jeremy Grant a few years ago. Absolutely. And then, and then now look where Jeremy Grant is at. And a lot of that can be attributed to, and I think Grant would say this too, uh, is, is his development within the Thunder organization. So if Ferguson can, can continue to grow like that, he is – Hands down, the most encouraging thing for me going into next year.
1: What about you, Taylor? Uh, youth is absolutely one that I was going to mention, and again, I'm being a little more vague on these. But I think Hami and and Ferguson, particularly, I think. Um, and this is one of those hot takes that we can pull up like three years from now and just could really bite me in the butt. But I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there, anyways. Um, I think at the end of Russ and PG's contracts here. Were, uh, that they have coming up here in in a couple of years. We're going to see them kind of passing the torch to the the younger generation of the Ferguson's and the Hamadou Diallo's. And I think those are two guys that are, are are really some two guys we can really be excited about for sure. And I think Hami is a guy that kind of gets uh, forgotten about because of all the different things that happened this season and the different players that we have on this team. You know, from Paul George to Russell Westbrook to Stephen Adams, et cetera. So that's something I'm I'm really optimistic about. But also, hey t- Taylor, Taylor
3: before you move on real quick, can I say something about that?
1: Yep. So, yeah, go so it.
3: talking about 20 year olds, I'm a big fan. Um, <laughs> Hamadou Diallo is, is also a good 20, year old. 20, 20 years old. Um, obviously insanely athletic. Talked about how he wants to become an even better defender. And I think it's super important to remember that they have Hamadou Diallo for the next three years. And I think year three is the first year he makes over a million dollars. Like next season, That's he strong. makes $800,000. Um, if Hamadou Diallo can be 75% of of the defender that Andre Robertson was but Andre was making 10 million and you're paying Hami 800,000 like what a bargain as far as value to a to a dollar amount
1: and that's kind of where I see like I, and Jake if you mentioned this you might have been Love the first the one of bargains. us to mention it <laughs> love a good bargain. Um, I could see three years from now where Hamanu Diallo is our starting shooting guard. You, you can even move Terrence to the, the three or something. Um, I'm, I'm really high on Hami. Obviously, there's a lot of recency bias in that as well because, you know, we have the same dunk competition, and we've seen his athleticism, but I- I'm with you there for sure. And then the only other thing I was going to mention is we have Sam Presti. Um, you never know what he's going to pull out of his hat. Uh, we have the shooter contracts. We have the Adams contracts. We'll get into a little bit of that in this podcast and a lot of that later on this summer, as you mentioned earlier, Jacob, but um, Sam Presti is always something to be optimistic about heading into a basketball season.
2: Most encouraging thing for you, Kamiar? Um, I can honestly say it happened today. It would be Russell Westbrook's new haircut. It mm, does look pretty good. He, Real good. Yes, he herds heard Allen Iverson comparisons, yeah, and he isn't facing it. Do you think great. I can pull I off mean, that haircut? You don't have enough hair, but... Uh, um, <laughs> Is this going to be a trend for OKC? We had PG last year with yeah, the cornrows, Russ yeah. this year. Because you got you got to think about what the most encouraging thing. Some people might say Jeremy Grant. All I see is dollar signs that he's already outplayed his $10 million contract. Um, Andre Robertson's not going to be the same ever again. You've got... P who's going to have surgery. Uh, he hasn't explicitly said it, but he's going to have surgery. Uh, Steven Adams looked banged up all year. He'll, he'll probably have something done. Uh, that's what I expect. Dennis Schroeder. I mean, you could say what's most encouraging is that he's talking to Oladipo and he wants to be like on that level. Like, cause he looked at Russ. Yeah. Um, and then there's not really much to gain else from the bench. So I would just go, uh, Russ's new haircut looks nice. I like it.
4: It's it's good. I'm gonna go outside the team. The most encouraging thing is the impending Warriors breakup that I'm still uh, hanging my hat on that happening yep. because really that actually point. gives another team a chance to win a title. And I hope that team is OKC. Okay, uh, last thing for uh, for our quick kind of recap of the season. Um. If you had to describe the season in one word,
3: what word would that be, Jacob? My word, uh, I'm gonna. I'm glad I'm going first because I got to steal it from everybody else. Inconsistency. Started on started on a four game losing streak. At one eleven out of twelve. Uh, coming out of the All Star break, I forget the number, but it was bad. Finished the game on a five game winning for the season on a five game winning streak. Just the constant up and down, like roller coaster of this season. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you can describe the Thunder this year in any other word except inconsistency.
2: Taylor, Taylor. yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Uh, oh, call me here.
2: I got one <laughs> for you. That's better than that's better than inconsistent. Uh, bullshit, <laughs> because
1: <laughs>
2: because they had you then they had you fooled because. Everybody in the NBA, all the analysts are talking about, man, this Thunder defense is incredible. Even opposing coaches, this Thunder defense is incredible. They're so long. They, they're they out to contest. They even stop you from making, they even stop you from uh, enacting your jump shot because of their length and their athleticism. And then they start to get hot from actually shooting three for like a month. And then suddenly just the defense just stopped being there and um, they lost their identity they stopped really caring on defense as much as closing out and being very aggressive and uh, it was bullshit so i'm going to say it was bullshit <laughs> we Not need to that come. on a t-shirt
1: <laughs> this uh, is some bullshit. Hashtag thunder up. <laughs> what about you, Taylor? <laughs> um, I, this is a word that I've used on my Twitter uh, throughout the season. On uh, when I've covered games on our account for the Uncontested, um, I've tweeted out the GIF slash gif I've heard it pronounced both ways, um, so I'm gonna pronounce it both ways. But roller coaster is my word for the season, and it goes very hand
2: in hand with what both Kamiar and Jacob both just said. It's okay to go both ways. This is a progressive podcast.
4: that's a different word Um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna take a different angle and my word is babies so we had Russ had the twins Schroeder had a baby Ferg had a baby Russ rocked babies Um, I think you could say that the Thunder when they didn't get foul calls they were being a little bit of babies Um, there's just lots of lots of baby connotations this season and I'd be cool with like a, a season free of babies next year.
1: Um, <laughs> that's so true. But that's
4: I'm just, not a big fan of babies.
2: babies personally. I hate babies. They're <laughs> gross. They're always sticky and screaming.
4: Sticky. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, that's Stern awesome. but fair. Well, I think that wraps it up. Um, do we want to talk about exit interviews? Let's
1: yes. Do it. So obviously that was something big that happened um almost immediately after the Thunder ended up losing to the Trailblazers. Um they got back home I think on Thursday and then we had the exit interviews on Friday or uh, on Wednesday and then we had the exit interviews on Thursday or uh, yeah. Wait. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> so confused. Jesus. Um, God. Oh, so it, <laughs> regardless, the Thunder had exit interviews at some point in the past mm-hmm. week. I can confirm Anything incredibly crazy that happened. I thought there were some really uh, some interesting tidbits that got dropped, points that I had um, that after the interviews happened uh, that I immediately dro- kind of jotted down in my notes for, for this podcast. The first of those is that uh, it seems like Patrick is going to be back. I think he's going to opt in. Um, he seemed pretty open about that in his interview. And it'll be interesting to see he if he even gets used if that happens or if they find a way to trade him. Um, I'm really curious about Pete Pat's future with the team because it certainly seems like he'll be here next season, or he will at least opt into that contract. The second I have Nerlens Noel, Mark. Markeith Morris neither of them seem like they're going to be opting into their contracts um and I think we kind of thought that with Noel Morris was kind of a crapshoot but from what they said it seems like neither of them are going to be back and then finally it seems like Billy will stay but it's become very obvious and very apparent particularly with what some of these players have said which I'll get into here that Russ and PG had the most influence over the team and not as much Billy Donovan which I think can be a a major concern um it at least was very interesting to hear some players actually admit that. So kind of to to uh, start all this, I think the the first one I want to talk about is Dennis Schroeder. And he was the one that actually mentioned the whole thing with Billy. And then as Calmair mentioned, another interesting aspect of his exit interview was the talking to Depot and uh, communicating with, with Victor and trying to take that next step after playing with Russell Westbrook. Dennis kind of said it in terms of he – he wants to do that while still being with his team. But he also made it clear in other comments that he's not exactly sure. I mean, I think he kind of is aware that he could potentially be traded this offseason. So I'm going to go ahead and quickly read um, Dennis's quote here about Billy because I think that was probably the most interesting. Um, he was asked on about Billy Donovan listening to players and how rare it is. Dennis said it can go either way, to be honest. I've never ha- had that before. I was with coach uh, Mike Budenholzer in atlanta and he's a strong has a strong opinion about what he wants to do he got used or dennis got used to it because i wasn't in the nba before it's so my first year started with him he's got a strong belief the san antonio kind of system which i thought was interesting um, he's a good coach i like and he keeps everyone accountable in their own way billy is kind of rare i've never had it before it can go either way i think he said that again uh, when it gets too much and he listens too much to the players it can go bad as well Another interesting tidbit. Me and him had good conversations. I never tried to change anything. We never had any issues. He's been great with me. So that's a, obviously a lot to digest there in that quote, and I think there's a lot to digest from the uh, Victor Oladipo um, communication quote that he had. Who wants to start this off with Dennis's exit interview, and is there anything else that stood out to you guys, or
2: what about those two uh, segments of his interview that you guys found really interesting? Do you think Kevin Durant didn't like – playing under Billy Donovan because he let Russ be his own player? Russ made a, another interesting comment about Billy in one of his
1: answers. And he said uh, something along the lines of, and I can look it up if I need to, but it was something like, uh, me personally, I haven't had any problems with Billy. And the first thing I thought of there was, okay, and, and that might have just been you know, him. He's on the spot um, with a bunch of uh, interviews. He's not thinking ahead, but – the first thing that I thought I was like, okay, you might be referring to Kevin Durant there. Like Kevin might have had some issues with mm-hmm. Billy. That's a good point, Kamir. Yeah, it's interesting. The first thing that came to my mind
4: with Schroeder's comments was when you think about like the late game situations, and it it was present when Kevin Durant was there, and it's it's present now. And you know, sometimes you get a good play, but most of the time it's dribble around and not get a good shot. And I don't know if that's just because Billy, you know, didn't draw up a play and just, you know, trusted his guys to go get a bucket. And if so, then that's that's an indictment of Billy. Or I don't know if it's he had a play and Russ or PG or whoever was just like, no, I'm going to do this instead, which is kind of more of an indictment on the players, but also speaks to, you know, Billy's lack of influence over the players Either way, that that kind of stood out to me. Just thinking in those late game situations that oftentimes kind of leave us frustrated or scratching our heads of just wondering like who's who's really running the ship in those moments.
1: Anyone else?
3: (laughs) Uh, I thought the the Victor Oladipo comment was interesting, and in the context, you know of. I think Vic made made that massive jump because of two reasons. Number one, he credits uh his work ethic and, and learning under Russ. And number two, Vic kind of got his own team. And so Schroeder wants to make that jump, but is that jump possible if he is still playing with Russ and Paul George?
1: That's yeah. what I found interesting. Like is right, what's the context that he He mentioned that in, um, did he say that expecting to be traded this off season and then making that jump or did he reach out to Vic? Like, Hey, I know when you were training the off season, you were not expecting to be traded from the thunder. Um, yet you were, you made this big jump. So how can I do that? Uh, anticipating that I'm still going to be playing with Russell Westbrook next season.
3: That's a good point because Vic didn't get Vic was, was doing those workouts and and trying to to push and, and change. Before that trade ever went down, that's something I didn't think of. So yeah, that's that's good perspective.
1: Yep. Um, So, anyways, I I I was kind of long winded on that um, with Schroeder because I thought his was kind of probably had the most interesting two comments there. Um, But the next one I have here is Markeith uh, Morris and his brother Marcus Morris actually had. An interview. I believe it was posted by the Athletic. Basically, Marcus kind of went on this big rant where he talked about how he was disappointed in in Oklahoma City and Billy and the coaching. How they didn't use his brother the correct way. How him and his brother were both uh, very excited about him coming to OKC, and then it didn't live up to expectations based off of how uh, Keith was used. Um, he was very uh, had a lot of criticism basically for Billy, and then Keith kind of echoed those sentiments a little bit. Um, in his exit interview, but he also mentioned that OKC was probably the best stop from a personnel standpoint of his career. So what all do you guys think about Markeith? I know I mentioned earlier that I don't think he's going to probably be with the team next season based off minutes.
4: No, I think right when they made that signing, the thing that stood out to me was that in his entire career, the least amount of minutes he had really played was you know 20 to 25 minutes and when you looked at this roster it was like I just don't know where those minutes come from and the answer to that question that I had at the time is they just didn't come you know he averaged 15 minutes or so uh, through his tenure with the Thunder and I just don't think that was what he was used to it 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 wasn't what he was comfortable contributing with and I think that was a, a big reason why he never quite looked like the Marquise Morris that maybe we hoped we were getting. I think the other part is the injury. I still wonder how much that neck injury that he had, that he missed a big chunk of his time with Washington. I wonder how healthy he was when he came onto the Thunder, and I think just altogether it just wasn't the fit that I think we were hoping that it was when they made that signing.
3: Yeah, I agree. I I appreciated Keefe's, how candid he was in that interview and how upfront he was. Um, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this to you guys off the podcast, but I'm curious to like if Noel leaves and you could basically tell Keith that he's going to be your four and five off the bench, he'll always be on the court with with either Stephen or Jeremy or maybe Keith at the five, Paul at the four or something to where Keith can get that 20 minutes a game, uh, if that would be something he would consider to come back to. Um at this rate, I my money would definitely be on. He's not going to be back with the Thunder next season. But um, I, I did appreciate how candid and open he was about it. He didn't try to beat around the bush.
2: Yep. I felt like when Markeith, was, he joined OKC, people were really excited. And they envisioned actually getting Marcus because Marcus is thinner and more athletic and can actually shoot the ball uh, better from three. And then, when they see Keith and he's actually a little bit slower and he's much larger than his brother, which is actually a twin, so it's weird. And they saw how inept he was on the defensive end. Um, people were like, well, is he better than Patterson? So, honestly, like, I appreciate his uh, candidness. Um, he obviously thinks that, okay, he's a top notch, uh, program and, um, uh, organization and that's cool because he was really not that much better than patrick past anyway so see ya don't care yep um so obviously the next two i have here are paul george and
1: russell westbrook two of the probably the biggest um and we'll start with paul george here and really his kind of centered on obviously his shoulder and i have one other point that i wanted to bring up but starting with the shoulder um he was very vague about it all he wouldn't say exactly what the injury was however he did make it pretty clear that he will be having a procedure here very soon and I know Royce uh Andrew Schleck there's some people like that Brett Dawson uh they basically the OKC dream team (laughs) said that they expect him to have it here like early next week um he did say something it was something that he could play through and technically he didn't have to have surgery on it but it could be recurring if he didn't so uh he wanted to and I think he was encouraged to get it taken care of this offseason um, and then the only other thing outside of the shoulder that kind of came up to me was his comments on Ferguson, which were interesting. Now, granted, this is going to be, this quote is going to be taken out of context, but he basically said, quote unquote, that Ferguson needs to put pressure on coach unquote, um, to get Ferguson more minutes or, or more involved in the offense. So those are the two things that stuck out to me. Is there anything else that stuck up to you guys about Paul George? Do you guys want to touch on his shoulder um, or those comments about Ferguson?
3: Uh, I'll talk about the Ferguson comments real quick. I do think they're going to get taken out of context when he says put pressure on the coach. I don't think that Paul is saying that Ferguson needs to be more vocal or aggressive um, and try to run the show. I think he's saying Ferguson needs to continue to get better to where Billy has – make Billy make that decision. Become good enough to where they have to involve you. I think that's right. that's totally. the context of that, um, not, not some sort of sabotage and, and try to – Try to run the show type of thing. That that's what I got from those for comments.
2: Agree. But we all know that if Paul George or Russell Westbrook is running the show, then they are gonna put more pressure on Billy to get <laughs> Ferg similar ball. So mm, yeah. I like it. Also well, Ferg if- said he wants to work on his ball handling and that's not gonna be very pretty, so that's it. Well hopefully hopefully he uh, does that in the practice facility where we don't have to see it.
4: Um PG's shoulder, I want to touch on real quick. i I want to I want to call out like you know there's still, I feel like his comments in in the exit interviews kind of reignited the like, ooh, is it a uh, does he have a rotator cuff injury? like what was it scoop B? Uh, like Scoop B reported yeah. after the Denver game, like, nope, he's got a torn rotator cuff. Uh, let me reiterate again, he does not have a torn rotator cuff. There's a 0% chance that he has a torn rotator cuff. Um, he would not have played out the season like he did if that was the case. I think whatever's going on is minor. It sounds like it was more of a discomfort thing than anything like structurally wrong. It's not the kind of thing where him playing with it is gonna make it worse because they wouldn't have let him play. It's not like, oh, Paul George is just a hard ass and he's not gonna let us like let him make him have surgery. Like, no, he's a he's a franchise player on a giant contract. If he needed to have a procedure and shut down his season, that would have happened. So I think what it is, it's it's something that's aggravating him. I think he's gonna get it cleaned up. I'm glad he's doing it early. Unlike Russell Westbrook a couple years ago with his knee, where it was like the middle of July, he had his knee surgery and just kind of threw off his timetable to return. I'm
1: Get it taken care of early and come back in the fall ready to play. Another interesting thing that uh, about that shoulder is I, I believe it was Leslie who asked him, like, did it happen during that three-game stretch, basically referring to the Denver game, and he said, no, um, I was feeling some stuff before then. So yeah. it wasn't a specific injury. He just got it aggravated, but he had been dealing with it prior to that, which is interesting.
3: Yeah, at this point, I kind of think the shoulder injury, the the, the surgery is going to be just some sort of scope to, to clean some yep. stuff out. Um, yeah a bunch of people have speculated like it's a labrum tear. uh I've had a labrum tear, and uh if if it's something that goes untreated, uh it gets worse over time and so like i again, I think if it was a labrum tear, they probably would have had surgery uh early because if you let it go and you keep like moving your shoulder, it makes the labrum tear worse and then makes the recovery time a lot longer so i I would think that. If it was a labrum tear, they would have taken care of it as soon as they found out.
1: I agree. Um, so I'm going to try and fly through these these last couple ones I have here. But the next one, obviously, is Russ. I thought he was extremely candid. Um, he had some lengthy answers for once. And it, it even lasted like around 17 minutes, I think, was one of the longest uh, exit interviews. He even answered Trammell normally, Barry Trammell.
2: I um, bet however, Rusty had nothing to do with that. Yeah, that's a great point very good point
1: um <laughs> however he still was quote-unquote russ he talked the talk as if he wasn't going to change his mentality but he seemed to infer that there were changes of his of, that he was personally wanting to make this off season, and he did take some blame um particularly for that that early exit um from the from the postseason so my question for you all were you guys more in court and encouraged by russ's interview or more discouraged um let's go ahead and start with jacob
3: I would say encouraged um Russ typically like is in his shell, especially <laughs> as we know in in press conferences and talking to the media and so the fact that he opened a little bit up a little bit here I think says that uh you know he he kind of understands and takes the responsibility and um you know i just I, and it's not that I don't trust Russ as far as like he's gonna change up his his approach as far as like how he trains and and focus on you know becoming a better shooter and getting teammates involved and not dominating the ball but at some point Russ is just who Russ is and, and you can't change the the nature of the beast right and so I wonder if we're if we're approaching that that aspect where Russ knows he, he's got to move the ball more be a facilitator take less off the dribble shots get to the rim etc like he knows that, but I don't know how much of that he can like purge and change. If that makes sense, you know. Yep, I think it's just
1: kind of totally. who he is at this point. Absolutely, Justin, you want to go ahead and go? It looks like yeah, to say something. I
4: think uh, my thing with Russ and in interviews is he's never been and will never be the guy that sits in front of a reporter and will actually tell you like what he thinks he needs to work on in the offseason. There are guys in the league that will do that, and they'll be very open, like, you know, I I need to get better at this, I need to do that. So when you hear Russ say things like, I know what I can do, I'm the best player on the court most of the time. If other people make a triple double so easy why don't they do it all that kind of stuff that's who russ is i think internally and what russ is actually going to do this summer he is he's going to work on a lot of the things that we saw whether or not it'll be a huge improvement on the court we don't know but he's never going to be the guy to sit there and be like you know i really need to uh, make take better shot selection but just because he doesn't say that to the media i don't think that he's ignorant of that fact behind the scenes i just don't think he's the type of the guy to you know wear that on his sleeve in front of a bunch of reporters. I would
3: totally agree with that.
2: Yep. Tom, you have anything to add on us? Uh, no, I think it's same old shit, dude. Like, uh, there's nothing encouraging there. he's just being Russ, press, maybe me a little bit more. Um, there's like, there's nothing, there was no substance. It was like, Hey, how do you improve your shot? I'm gonna keep on shooting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so no, I'm I'm not. I don't take anything from that.
1: I'm kind of with Justin there. I think a lot of that is Russ is going to put on his front because he feels like he has to when it comes yeah. down to it. He's going to get in the lab and he's going to make um, some sort of necessary adjustments. Now whether they will will be enough, we'll see. Um, so the last one I have here is Ferguson and Dre. We kind of grouped these together here um, because they were both shorter, but they both made some. Some bigger points that I wanted to cover here in the podcast. So Ferguson, he talked about handling the ball. We talked about, a lot about this already on this podcast, working this offseason a lot. Um, but something else that stuck out to me wasn't even in Ferguson's interview per se, but it was with the rest of the players. Um, there was a lot of players that seemed very high on Ferguson, still very high on him. Felton was one of those guys. i just he, high. <laughs> just high in general. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Felton even mentioned working out with him and okay, seeing this summer – but Felton isn't even guaranteed to be on the team, and he's still wanting to work out with Ferguson and OKC. Um, so that was something that kind of st- that stood out to me about Ferguson. And then Dre, he mentioned being about 90% in November before he re-injured his, his knee going up for a dunk, and it wasn't actually the tendon that time. It was something to do with the bone. So he's on track for training camp, so that's exciting, and he's currently waiting for the bone to fully heal in his mm-hmm. knee. And he inferred that he's been kind of frustrated with himself because he was he – was, playing through some discomfort uh, before he had that injury last season. Um, And he feels like he could have maybe potentially avoided rupturing his patella tendon. And I think as he put it, like, you can't just rupture a tendon, right? There's a lot that goes into that. So I think he's a little frustrated with himself as well as some of the trainers who um, felt like he was, A, okay to play before he fully ruptured that tendon in that game against the Pistons. And then, B, he maybe was doing a little too much um, around the November timeframe, which caused him to uh, re-enter that knee, even if it wasn't the attendant. So th- those are kind of the things that stood out to me for our shooting guard position Um, on those two interviews. Who wants to start off um, Mention anything else that I may have missed or kind of elaborate on some of those points?
2: I would instead of Andre Robertson because, like we said, the wing, like everybody expected Dre to be back by December or January – Alex Abrinas was there. Timothy Luau, Luau Cabrera was there. And then Nader was just like a random pickup they could have just for like in case of emergency.
0: That's a good of point. Like
2: that first three guys, they all went out and then like they traded TLC for cash considerations because like, Oh, we have Abrinas and Nader and we're going to be fine. Cause and Dre's, Dre's coming back. <laughs> Dre's coming back. Yeah. And none of that ever happened. And so, um, I mean, if OKC could have at least just signed Rachel DeMida, that would have been nice to play in his stead. <laughs> she probably uh, shoots way yeah. better than him. She, she probably does. She too, for being yeah. honest. And, and Dre shot his shot, and he actually made that one with her. Yeah. But <laughs> Shout out to Dre. He made the
3: one that counted, yeah. I guess, right? Um, I guess. No, I'm... I think the is <laughs> up kind of speaks to why I said he's he's the most encouraging thing for me going into next season. So I also wonder if Dre um is even on this roster come come training camp. So but we'll that's just something we can get into in another podcast.
2: Yep. Just makes me angry how you have Deontay Burton and you sign him. Deontay's another interesting one. And he's the guy that attacks the rim at will and he's a tough defender, but you constantly stick out Nader on the court. But yep. that's another time that's another conversation for another day.
1: Um, all those pla- I mean all those players talking about Ferguson, like and they, they did it last season, they did it preseason, yeah. they did it this season now. I mean, they're talking about this kid like he could be a borderline all star. And that surprises me. Um, while I think Ferguson's gonna be an incredible player, I kinda look at him as like a like, best case scenario, he could be the perfect role player on a basketball team. You know, like we've talked about Trevor yeah. Rees, like, persons. But they're talking about this kid, like, if he can get ball handling down, he could be, um, like, maybe Bradley Bill or something insane. You know, like that, that that really surprises no. me. It's encouraging to me again. He's back to those 20 year olds, man. Yes, that's a good, good Back word. to those 20 yep. year olds. <laughs> Give me all the 20 year olds. Trade Rust, PG, and Steven.
3: <laughs> okay. Hey, guys. Uh, so we're about to get out of here. But before we do, I want to get quick predictions real quick, kind of as a a teaser into what we're going to be talking about all summer. Um, So I'm going to go down a list here. And I just want you guys to tell me yes or no. Uh, Each person I name, I'm just wanting to know, will this player be with the Oklahoma City Thunder at the start of next season? So let's just stay the same order this entire time. Um, Whenever I read a name, start with Justin, then go Kamiar, and then go Taylor. Then I'll give my answer, and then we'll go on to the next name. Sound good? Sure. Okay. All right, first one, Billy <laughs> Donovan.
2: Yes. Uh, no. Yes.
3: I'm going to say no. Oh. And, and, and you, you, like, shit or get off the pot on this, right? Like, you, you can't say, I don't know, that. 75, 25. It's a, a yes or no, right? You got to shit or get off the pot. Yep.
2: Russell writer, Westbrook. Non-committal.
3: Yeah. Russell
4: Westbrook. Russell, Russell's a uh, big yes. Yes.
3: Yes. Yes. Paul yes. George.
2: Yes. Yes. All the yeses. Yes. <laughs> Jeremy Grant. Yep. Yes, and they try to extend him.
1: Hey, uh,
3: quick plug. Go to HoopsHabit.com and uh, read my article about why they should extend <laughs> yeah, Jeremy hey, Grant.
1: Hey, that's right. It's good stuff. Um, I'm going to say yes, but I also would put him maybe under like Jerry uh, Steven Adams as somebody who could be packaged like a megastar, but I don't see that happening. So yes.
3: I'm saying yes. Steven
1: Adams.
2: Nope. Oh I say he's weird. Well, the question is to start the season, so I say yes.
1: I'm so I'm still going to go ahead and say yes as well. I'm saying yes. Terrence Ferguson. Yep. No. <laughs> yes.
3: Yes. Dennis Schroeder. I'm going to say yes.
1: No. I think no.
3: I'm going to say yes. (laughs) Hamadou Diallo, who always autocorrects to Diablo in my phone, which is so much more (laughs) badass. (laughs) Mine is that too.
4: (laughs) I want a custom Thunder jersey now that says Diablo on the back. I want mine to say
3: Diablo 3 because that's one of my favorite games of all time. All right, go ahead.
1: Yes.
2: No. yes (laughs)
1: i'm saying yes yes deontay burton (laughs) yes yes yes
2: yep
3: abdul nader
4: oh i hope it's no but i think it's yes
1: it's a yes i think he'll be hanging around the end of the bench this season so yes
3: i say yes as well patrick patterson
1: i lean yes based off the exit interview
2: life's good (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes he's opting into that contract whether he's traded or not uh, we'll see but I'm going to go ahead and lean yes I'm going to say no
3: he's going to opt in and get traded Andre Robertson.
1: this is an interesting one
3: uh, to start the season yes
1: yes I'm with Justin word for word
3: yep I'll go with you guys Nerlens Noel nope
2: I'm going to go with yes. Oh, I say no.
3: I say no as well. Markeith Morris.
2: I'm a no here too. Hell no. Uh,
1: I I could totally see where he does, but I'm going to go ahead and say no
2: just based off recency bias.
3: I'll say yes. Raymond Felton.
1: like it. Uh, I also say no on Ray Ray. I
2: think Ray's going to be on the team.
1: I do too. I think Raymond is... One, uh, I, I think Pressy just wants him around for locker room presence, and also I think Presley's going to have that whole like uh, mentality of he's earned it. So I'm going to go ahead he- and say yes on Felton for this I'd rather season. have
2: Perkins for that.
3: Yeah, I'm going to say yes as well. Uh, last one. Uh, beginning of the season, will Taylor Peterson still be on the uncontested podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Not if I have anything to do with
1: it. <laughs> <or>. <laughs> I say no. I was... I was really – I jinxed us like almost every game I covered. I'm going to go ahead and say no.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, any parting thoughts, guys?
2: It's going to be a
4: long summer.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: It's going to be a long summer, but I'm ready to get hurt again when it comes around October.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a glutton for it pain. It hurts real baby. good. Yeah, that's right. I'm a glutton for pain. All right. Well, I'm gonna play this this outro music because it's really good music, and I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, thank you guys for checking us out. It. Well, give it a second. Thank you guys for checking us out. We appreciate you. If you are not following us already or subscribe to us anywhere you listen to your podcast, if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, please go leave us a five star review. Follow us on Twitter at the un- underscore uncontested. Justin is at OKC Tracker. Kamiar is at BoomtownRW. Taylor is at Taylor underscore P15. You can find myself at Thundermob405. We'll probably come back to you guys again uh, within the next week. We'll talk a little bit about the playoffs, the the second round, and maybe start getting into a little more of this this summer and what we can expect. Maybe we'll have some new news, like uh, like a surgery or surgery coaching search or something we'll see you guys have a great week enjoy the battle of winterfell tomorrow night and we will talk to you later thunder up
0: new new news sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history